a focus summary of chapters 15 through 22 of Bug Jargal. Dauverny's uncle, furious to learn of Pierrot's escape, ordered a diligent search be made for him. Meanwhile, August 22nd arrived, Dauverny married Marie, and he was so intoxicated with joy that he forgot Pierrot's sinister warning. The day of their wedding would be the day their misfortunes commenced. That evening, Dauverny's position as captain required that he fulfill his round of the guards on the plantation before retiring to the apartments with Marie. There had been unrest among the Negroes, and their outbreaks had to be promptly repressed. As he was patrolling the bay, Dauverny perceived a ruddy light on the horizon that quickly turned into thick smoke and vivid flames. He rushed back to the fort to give alarm and seek help. Along the way, he saw disorder in the Negroes' quarters and heard uttered repeatedly, with respect, the name Bugjargal. He learned that the Negroes in the northern districts were in open revolt, and he placed the Akul militia under arms. Leaving part of the militia to guard Akul, Dauverny led the rest to Cap. As they approached, they saw the lurid light of a conflagration consuming the town, while the terrified inhabitants struggled to preserve their property. The insurgent slaves had already made themselves masters of many of the plantations. Dauverny hastened to the house of the governor to ask for orders and beg that protection be given to Akul. When he arrived, he found many men already there, engaged in confused argument. They argued over who could justly claim to have predicted this uprising, who might have provoked it, and who could be said to have made meaningful preparations. The governor interposed in their bickering to ask what it had to do with the pressing danger. The slaves, under the leadership of Buckman, had revolted, set fire to the plantations, massacred the colonists, and made a standard out of the body of a white child on a pike. In response, the citizens of Cap had begun to kill their own slaves and to accuse the mulattoes of being the cause of the disasters. The governor had to give the mulattoes a place of refuge, and they were asking for a post to guard and weapons. This led to another bitter dispute over whether the mulattoes were to be trusted, at the conclusion of which the governor resolved to give them arms. Then, at the suggestion that an assembly be convoked, the men argued according to their political allegiances over whether it ought to be the provincial, colonial, or national assembly, until the planters complained that while these men were losing time with their nonsense, their crops were being destroyed. An old soldier turned to Dauverny and said that if he were the lieutenant governor, he would throw all these pretended representatives out the door and say, The king reigns and I govern. It was liberal ideas, he said, that poisoned the tropics, and the slave revolt of Santo Domingo was the counterpart of the storming of the Bastille. Then another of the planters exclaimed that the only real solution was to terrify the Negroes, as he once did, lining the approach to his house with the heads of fifty slaves. He proposed they make a ring of Negro heads around the city. This proposal was met with unanimous horror and the planter expressed surprise at their accusing him of cruelty, and boasted of his many friendly connections with the Negro files, or black supporters. Other proposals were made, 
They could embark on a ship and anchor in the harbor, ask for aid from the governor of Jamaica, or send news to France and wait. A veteran soldier scorned this last suggestion, saying the black Shirley would not wait and offering to lead the charge himself. His energetic speech hushed the differences of opinion. The governor thanked him, and the colonists urged that his proposals be carried out. With the governor's permission, Doverny mustered his men and set out on the road to Acule. Doverny picked out his men from the disorder of dragoons, fugitives, and cattle in the marketplace. When one of the dragoons rode up at full speed to warn him that Fort Gallifrey was under siege and the insurrection had reached Acule, Doverny and his soldiers rode quickly to his uncle's plantation, only to find it in a sea of flame. At the sight of the destruction of all this wealth, Doverny had only one thought, and that was for the safety of Marie. Riding up to the house, he found it still standing but with doors and windows broken in and besieged by the Negroes. Doverny gave his men the order to charge on the besieging troops. At that very moment, there was a loud yell and a cloud of smoke, and as it cleared, a red flag could be seen floating over Fort Gallifrey. The fort had been taken, the defenders slain, and twenty families massacred. But all Doverny could think of was Marie. Faulting himself for not staying to defend her or die by her side, he felt a grief akin to madness. Meanwhile, his comrades stormed the insurgents, crying for revenge, and the Negroes who had been slaughtering whites and casting fuel in the flames fled at their approach. Thaddeus then appeared, covered with wounds, and told Doverny that it was Pierrot who had penetrated the fort. As Doverny cried out for information about Marie, Pierrot appeared, carrying a woman who shrieked and struggled in his arms. Doverny shot at him, but one of the rebels threw himself in front of the bullet and fell dead. Pierrot turned as if to address Doverny, and then plunged into the sugar canes, followed by Rask, who was carrying a cradle with the youngest child of Doverny's uncle. Doverny followed their tracks like a madman until he fell senseless with exhaustion. He awoke in the ruins of his uncle's house, supported by Thaddeus, who proclaimed victory because the Negroes had been routed and Doverny had revived. But Doverny cared to know only about the welfare of Marie, as he recalled the frightful scene of her being carried away through the flames by a monster on their wedding night. Doverny asked what had become of his uncle, in whose room he now was. Drawing aside the curtains, Thaddeus revealed his uncle's body with a dagger driven through his heart. Beside him, the bed of the dwarf Habibra was also stained with gore, and Doverny did not doubt that the faithful servant had died defending his master. He searched for a body in vain, and he gave instructions that at the funeral service for his uncle— Prayers should be said for the soul of Habibra. Haunted by the image of Marie in the arms of Pierrot, with a slave as a master, Doverny became so tortured by thoughts of his deluded hopes, betrayed friendship, and lost future that he fell into a delirious fever and longed to die. After ten days, the crisis passed, and he became content to live for vengeance. The revolt had made progress and Doverny asked the governor for a commission in the forces sent out against them. 
Among their leaders were Buckman, Biasu, and Bugjargal, and the reputation of the latter for generosity contrasted singularly with the ferocity of the other men. The insurgents continued to threaten Cap, and the governor united the militias to guard the town and to drive their attackers into the interior of the island. He ordered two separate attacks against Bugjargal, and both returned, soundly defeated. Thaddeus vowed vengeance. At this point in the story, tears glistened in Dauverny's eyes, but he continued. Word had reached them that Bugjargal was moving his troops to the mountains to join Biasu, and the governor, seeing this as their opportunity, sent his men to march upon them. Along the way, it was interrupted by many a dazzling and horrible conflagration. They pitched their tents in the ravines of the Grande Riviere, twenty leagues from the Negro army. Their encampment was confined by the steep banks bristled with bushes, and the waters were concealed by networks of garlands and branches. That night, from above, their sleep was disturbed by the war cry of the army of Biasu. Bugles sounded the alarm, and the men awoke and assembled. A gigantic negro appeared on one of the most elevated peaks, with a plume on his head and an axe in his hand, and Dauverny recognized Pierrot. Pierrot planted his flag, hurled his axe in their midst, and plunged into the stream. The soldiers found themselves under a shower of rocks, arrows, and bullets, and confusion reigned. Then Thaddeus conceived the idea of taking refuge under the roof of foliage over the river. Here, the narrative was interrupted.